The Long Box Crusade presents Fan Bill Fridays. to another Fan Film Fridays. I'm your host, the ever-trapped-in-the-basement Clinton Robinson. But hey, I'm working on that, folks, because I put in all the necessary papers to get up out of here. Paul Hicks, you know, my legal attorney, Paul Hicks, that is only licensed in certain areas for whatever demonic reasons, he gave me all the papers I needed. I filed them in with HR. That's right. So I'm down here with a meeting with Laurel Phillips to see how we're going to get out of this. And that's right, folks. I said we because now Laurel's down here with me, apparently. Clinton, I have to break it to you. I am actually not really in charge of HR. Yeah, but Jared says... Yes, I know. Jared and his brother Jason have insisted that I'm their secretary, statistician, HR department, as well as legal representation. So needless to say, I could just end their entire show, but unfortunately, I really don't hold any of those titles. I can't really get you out of here. I just snuck in here because Bat in the Sun made another Batman movie, and I, I kind of wanted to talk over it with you. Well, I mean, that's, that's a valid reason you got my hopes up for a, a different thing, but we'll go with that. We'll go with that. And Laurel is right. Bat in the Sun came out with a new Batman film called Batman Dying is Easy. The title, of course, is a reference to Dying is Easy, Comedy is Hard. Yeah, I tried to look up where that quote started. And there was an old actor and then, is it John Lennon? John Lemon. I'm sorry. Yeah, I said that wrong. I think that's right. I had looked it up to see who, how old that quote was. Apparently, it's, it's well established. Jeez. Imagine confusing John Lennon and John Lennon. <laughs> that, that would be a very interesting Beatles. <laughs> Slip of the tongue. <laughs> oh, well, all right. Since we went through Laurel's experience with fan films last time, and basically all of Batman's on-screen appearances <laughs> since the dawn of time, we can jump right into the fan film. Batman Dying is Easy is, like we said, put out by Bat in the Sun Productions. The same people who brought us Batman City of Scars. So if you loved that one, folks, guess what? You're in for another wild ride. It was released to YouTube March 10th of this year, 2021. So uh, we're getting to this one pretty early compared to some of our other ones. Yeah, I'm glad we did. At the time... <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because at the time of this recording, it sports 5.3 million views which is roughly one million more than City of Scars has. I probably count for ten of them. <laughs> uh, of that 5.3 million, they reached two million within... Uh, how many hours did they say it was? Let me check. Let me check. Uh, within three days. Two million views within three days, folks. So, uh, needless to say, it kind of hit a few buttons that everybody wanted to have hit. The script was written by Aaron Shonka, and yes, I'm probably saying it completely wrong, but that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I think that's right. The film was part of a crowdfunding project with an estimated budget of just under $76,000. But you'll see where some of that money went here in just a bit, folks. The film was directed by Aaron and Sean Shonka, which I found out Sean is Aaron's dad, not his brother. So if I said that last time, I'm sorry. Uh, visual effects by Nikolai Zamkovi. Man, I am terrible with these names. And original music by Sean Shonka. Yeah, Shonka, Shonky, it's something oh. like that. Yeah, well, 
I mean, some of us have names that <laughs> nobody knows how to pronounce. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Names like Laurel. Oh, oh, low blow. And then there's that that place that Rick claims to be from, Oreganoville. Isn't that right? Or Oregano something. <laughs> anyway, this film starred Kevin Porter as Batman, who also played Batman in City of Scars. Aaron Shonka as the Joker, who replaced Paul Molnar. And here's where we start getting into the money, folks. Michael Madsen as Bullock. Doug Jones as the Riddler. Singer Chris Daughtry as Hugo Strange. Then we also get cameos by Jamie Costa as Mad Hatter. Vera Bambi as Poison Ivy. Amy Johnston as Harley Quinn. Mike Estes as Mr. Freeze. Lionel Washington III as Killer Croc. Guy Grundy as Victor Zaz, coming back from City of Scars. Orion Akaba as the Condiment King. Amanda Lynn Schaefer as Barbara Gordon. I am going to say this so wrong, and I apologize to this little girl, but Charlotte Lizette Brannon as Little Alice. Another uh, famous name you might recognize, folks, Casper Van Dien as Commissioner James Gordon. Jennifer Winger as Summer Gleason. Mostly just in audio, but still. And Tatiana Neva as Catwoman. The film runs right around 26 minutes, so just slightly longer than your average Batman the Animated Series episode. So yes, you have plenty of time in your day to stop and watch this before Laurel and I dive in and ruin all the plot points. Do it now, because you will love it. Well, maybe not now. Give it like, you know, another few sentences. You know, not only will Laurel and I spoil pretty much everything about this movie... We just find it more fun when you, I, Laurel, all of us are on the same page when we go into this discussion because, wow, we're going to point out some fun stuff, folks. All right, so now, now, take a quick break right here. Watch the film. We'll be right back. Still, there are no leads on the three missing police officers. The commissioner had this to say. I got the best people working on it, but the trails run cold. everybody back and ready for your journey over to Gotham City? Good! Because, no, this is not Saturday matinee theater looking at Batman serials. We are definitely Fan Film Fridays looking at Batman. Dying is easy. While investigating the disappearance of three Gotham City police officers, Batman raids the Mad Hatter's hideout and rescues a girl forced to dress as Alice. As well as a few other things because they are not overly subtle in this one. Two months later, he is informed by Lieutenant Harvey Bullock that the Joker is dying and wishes to... Batman calls ahead and tells Hugo Strange to have the Joker ready for interrogation. Upon Batman's arrival at Arkham Asylum, we see many of the Batman's rogues, including the Riddler, Mr. Freeze, Victor Zaz, Killer Croc, Condiment King, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy. 
As Batman begins the visit, the Joker tells him he is suffering from melanoma due to his chemical accident, and he wants Batman to kill him as a fitting end to this legacy. And for those of you who aren't aware, melanoma is a form of skin cancer. Batman walks away, but the Joker taunts him by reminding him of the death of Jason Todd and the crippling of Barbara Gordon. An enraged Batman wraps a chain around the Joker's neck and hangs him, telling him how irrelevant he has been as a criminal. With nothing left to say, the Joker confesses to murdering the three missing officers and leaving their bodies at O'Neill's Toyland. Batman lets go of the Joker, revealing that he made him confess by falsifying his toxicology report and poisoning his water supply for weeks to make him believe that he had a terminal illness. In addition, Batman knew the Joker was responsible for the disappearance of the officers when he discovered a police baton with the Joker's fingerprints on it during his raid of the Mad Hatter's hideout. As Gotham City Police recover the corpses of the missing officers, Bullet confronts Batman over being manipulated during the Dark Knight's investigation. Before disappearing from Bullock's presence, Batman reveals that the officers were already dead from the beginning, but did not disclose that fact to take away hope so their families could heal and move on. In a post credit sequence, we see Catwoman on a rooftop being confronted by Batman, possibly hinting at an upcoming sequel. And that is the very brief synopsis for Batman Dying is Easy. There's a lot of talking back and forth in this film, so I had to leave a lot out. But let's take some cues from this film and see what kind of discussions Laurel and I can have here. So, Laurel, what are your thoughts? Oh, wow. It was really, really good. Um, the f It is not a follow-up to City of Scars. This is definitely its own entity because, you know, the, the stories don't quite mesh. Mm -hmm. But they, the things that these folks do well, they do really, really well. So I'm willing to overlook some of the problems that you have because it's fan film. And I figure even big budget movies have some goofy stuff that the fans are like, why did they put this in here? Uh, so I figured, you know, if that's the only little things that niggle at me, the rest of it I was so absorbed that I noticed. You know? <laughs> um, the other film was more detective-y action. Had, this one has some action built into the beginning, but it is really more a psychological study between Batman and Joker. Um, it also uh, includes Bullock, which is fun. He was, that was really, really fun, I have to say. The new suit, we have a new suit in this. We've, mm -hmm. It's just, there's so much going on. Um, the intensity of it was just well done. I'm trying to think of all the things. I'd have to take it a piece at a time to try to go over all the things I liked and didn't like because, wow, what a piece of work. There's the new suit, we get to see the Batcave, we get to see the Batmobile instead of just the motorcycle. We get to see Gotham. Mm -hmm. That that pan out where you see like all of Gotham with Wayne Tower, the Iceberg Lounge, all the all kinds of just key places that you would be looking for if you were like, Hey, I wanna take a tour of Gotham. Yeah, they have the blimps in the air. I thought some of that was a little bit of a cue from the animated series. But if mm -hmm. they're taking the operatic parts of the animated series and putting it into this, it really works. Because it suits Batman. Um, it's the same music. That is a carryover. But like I'd said, I don't care. It totally suits when he goes walking through Arkham and you get that big swell of music. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. Okay. Speaking of Batman just walking through, the way he is just looming the you know, his, his whole presence takes up that entire hallway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that uh, actor is have, really big. Yeah, I was going to say, have you seen, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff with him? Kevin Porter is a big dude. <laughs> like, he could have... I'm sure he's probably in, you know, some sort of muscle competitions or something. Because he is... This is a... I mean, he's not like Mr. Universe, but this is a big dude. Yeah, in the in the videos I've seen of him out of costume, he doesn't quite loom. I think mm -hmm. that's all, you know, body language stuff. I've seen him in another film that I was sort of poking around. You've got me into the fan films, Glenn. Uh, he plays actual Bruce Wayne in a different movie done by a different company. Um, but it, it certainly doesn't interfere. Um, it's a two-parter. Riddle of the Mask is this total psychological thriller between a uh, Riddler character. He's he's more the, the adult Riddler than, than sort of the cartoony version. Um, and Helena Bertinelli, the Huntress, out of, out of uniform. And then the follow-up to that is called Truth of the Mask, and that's where you get Kevin Porter playing Bruce Wayne. 
And I think he does just as good a job there. Absolutely. So the fact that we don't get a whole lot of, I guess, emoting, because you can't. You're in this beautiful, the, the cow was so well done. Anyway, you're in mm-hmm. this beautiful cow. He does, when he informs the Joker about the fact that he's been tricking him, he does get a slight smirk. <laughs> mm-hmm. So those little cues are there, but the, the sheer presence. And I also love the, the uniform we were saying is different this time. It's got some armoring. It's got that mesh weave um, that looks, I guess it's supposed to be a Kevlar weave. It's sort of like I was saying last time instead of the, the tights kind of look. The cape itself is more of a cloth. So the mask, the neck piece sort of sits on it. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that at first. And I don't think it necessarily stuck out too badly. What did you think? Uh, there was a point where I once I realized how it was sitting on there, I couldn't unsee it. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't really draw away from everything. Well, I was wondering if part of that was the... Um, they needed movement on that cape. Because, like, when he's on the rooftop talking to Bullock, he's sort of standing on a gargoyle, which is overhanging. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing like standing on a gargoyle on a, you know, high-rise. And the, the cape billowed a little. It did the same thing when he's striding through Arkham and it sort of flows. And I thought, mm. you needed that movement. Something heavier would have been a lot harder to move. Oh, yeah. What did you think of the uh, the opening? Because that is really where you get the impression of what this man can do. The, oh, the big man. fight sequence. Mm-hmm. That is such a great action. I'm, I want the Albrecht brothers to put that on action film face-off, dang it. That is such a good one. The um, company, Bat in the Sun, does a whole series called Superpower Beatdown. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Have you seen any of those? I've seen a few of those, yes. So they are definitely good at the fight scenes. Oh, yeah. And they are no no strangers to put, uh, putting um, matchups that you would not expect. <laughs> Let's just say that. Darth Vader and Batman? <laughs> it was mm. kind of crazy. Uh, the White Power Ranger versus Scorpion from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> I mean, Captain America and Master Chief. Yeah, I mean, come on. these That's where action film face-off needs to go. Action fan film face-off. Oh, yeah. Deadpool was in it. He was wonderful. Oh, oh, oh. Kevin Porter was the Flashpoint Batman against, um, what's the guy? The, the enemy in Black Panther. Oh, uh... Kill something. Killmonger. Thank you. That was really good. Sorry, somebody says Black Panther. My, <laughs> my mind instantly goes to Claw, and I'm like, wait, no. No, no, the he other was, guy. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, that wasn't the, the big villain in this one. Yeah, they they did some really... The actor that plays Joker, now here's something. Um, His body control, and you had sent me the little video about the facial oh, contortions. Yes. Mm-hmm. He was in um, as Nightwing versus the Winslow shoulder in one of those. And he had his shirt off and he's doing the gymnastic rings. He is cut. I mean, absolutely every muscle is defined. It was wild. And so putting him as the Joker, he's got that tall slender thing going. And then, like I was saying, the muscle control, he does this like hunch and then he'd come up from it and then he'd do the facial bit and the way he'd hold his hands. And I was like, oh my goodness gracious. It was just the physical attributes of Joker, we're right there. Hear that, folks? Laurel's got a new boyfriend. Oh, stop. <laughs> That'll be the next thing those stupid all bricks pick up on. <laughs> oh, could be. Oh, Lord, please don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Okay, so we're going to have to address it. How do you feel about Batman being manipulative? I actually really liked it. <laughs> it shows that pre-planning intellectual thing that he can do. Um, it's not exactly Bat-God per se, as so much as it was perception. I thought it was neat that he had the built-in um, eyepieces that he saw the fingerprints on the, the baton when he was sort of going through that scene. Mm-hmm. That was really neat. And from that point, to extrapolate what was going on is not that big a leap. So I don't mind that part of things where he's poisoning the Joker. Not telling Arkham or the police department what he's doing, eh, typical Batman as we've seen him on and off throughout the years. Um, I don't think he's being cruel to those people so much as he has to do this if you want to find these police officers. Knowing they're already dead, I don't know how he knows that necessarily except for the fact they're missing for so long. Um, The bit he does about hope at the end and saying he had to take the hope away in order for the family to start healing. That was interesting. 
So there's a lot of factors going into his decision of doing this whole routine of poisoning the Joker and not telling anybody. Yeah, I mean, like you said, this is a darker story overall. This is a, a little bit darker Batman, but it's it's still not as dark as like we've seen in some other portrayals, and that includes on the page. But Yeah, there's physicality and violence at the beginning, of course, because mm-hmm. you have that big fight scene and there's some blood. And what did you think about what happened to the Mad Hatter? The the groin stomp. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm not sure it's completely Batman, but it's definitely appropriate because, like I said, we you know they did not shy away from all but telling you that this is a Mad Hatter that is doing very very inappropriate things with minors. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is not just like brainwashing some girl and calling her Alice. This is very much a child trafficking sort of yeah i was sort of surprised as well and the sound effect oh my goodness that really makes oh, yeah. it because that yeah that was that was not your typical uh joke crunch that you hear mm-hmm. that was but in all fairness that mad hatter can scream <laughs> yes is have we seen that actor you were telling me about the actors where have some of them been in what what else because i didn't recognize okay. i recognized chris daltry but that's it Okay, Chris Daughtry was a contestant on American Idol. Okay. Casper uh, Van Dien is most famous for being in Starship Troopers. He was also in a um, Tarzan movie in the 90s, and he's been a few other places. Mm-hmm. Doug Jones, you've seen him in a dozen different movies, but you've probably never seen him. Now, which part did he play? He played um, the Riddler. Okay. Uh, Doug Jones is known for his motion capture work. Oh. So if you've seen uh, Rise of the Silver Surfer, he's the Silver Surfer in that. If you've seen the Hellboy movies, uh, the the first two, not the more recent one, he's Abe Sapien. Mm-hmm. He was the fish guy in uh, Shape of Water. Uh, he's he's the in Pan's Labyrinth. He's uh, the the guy with the eye on his hand. Yes. Thank you. I couldn't think of his name. I can't either, but I remember the commercial with the eye, and it was like, oh, my gosh. I think I've seen it, but I can't remember all the details anymore. Oh, yeah. There's a ton of stuff that he's in, but you almost never see him. And you said Bullock was in something? Uh, Michael Madsen, yes. Um, I know him mostly from the Kill Bill movies. He plays Bud. Okay. But he has been in... Oh, Lord. Uh, He's... That's okay. That's he's no, been in a lot of okay. movies from from what you're saying. Uh, he was in Thelma and Louise. Oh, really? Uh, let's see. I'm pulling up his Wikipedia entry here. Cause he was really good. Oh yes. Um, let's see. Uh, if anybody's seen The Doors, he was in that. He's in Reservoir Dogs. How did I forget that? He's wow. He was in Free Willy. <laughs> well, I was most impressed with his portrayal of Bullock. Um, and I like the hat. And I like the fact that he didn't fool with the hat overly much. But he did a little bit, just enough, that it, it made that work. It made it feel real, that he's really talking. And the accent works. It's more of mm-hmm. a, a tough city street kind of speak than we were getting from uh, Montoya and um, Christmas Allen in the last one. Um, I liked that he has no love for Batman at the mm-hmm. beginning of this especially. Um, when he says, I don't have time to babysit, you know, a freak in a costume doing superheroes. And he, and he sort of waves his arm around like <laughs> Superman flying, you know. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get the, I like that he uh, gets to kind of mock Batman a little bit because he knows he's, he's not going to get hit. What did you think of that rooftop just as a scene? Like, you know, the setting, the, the, the what happened there? The, the top of... The, yeah, the, the building, because they used okay. another rooftop. I'm assuming it's probably the same thing mm-hmm. with a little bit of manipulation, because they had the, the bat signal was lit up there, mm-hmm. and he's on the gargoyle, and we have this conversation up there. What did you think of all that? I thought it was really well done. I mean, I'm buying into every bit of it. It it looks great. They sell it wonderfully. They're really good with the, um, uh, the steam and smoky effects, too, to kind of... You know, make sure you focus in the center, not really on anything to the sides. Mm-hmm. I liked the final one that they do on that rooftop when it's Batman by himself, sort of doing his contemplation thing. Mm-hmm. When they start the scene, there's a rat 
that's going by, and I couldn't figure out if it was a, a rat that somebody's pulling on a string or f- was added or what, but it makes the scene, to me, look completely real. Okay, I'm buying it now. Huh. Nice little touch. I, huh, I'll need to go back and watch that again. I didn't see the rat. Mm-hmm. He comes in at the beginning of that final final standing on the roof scene with Batman by himself. And those gargoyles are much bigger, so they're, mm-hmm. they're a lot easier to, to take. Um, and like I was saying, there's still that little bit of billowing of the cape to make it feel like, you know, the top of the building. I also liked, um, I don't know if you noticed the effect when the car would go by, because sometimes the backgrounds, that, that green screen stuff didn't quite work, especially like when Bullock yeah. was standing in front of the police cars. Mm-hmm. That one was really noticeable. But the Batmobile, I know that there wasn't a waterfall thing behind it, but when it went by, there was a splash of water. Mm-hmm. And they did that effect. Also, I think there was another time they had it in the city moving, and they did that same effect, which made at least that part was very real looking. So I was like, okay, nitpicky that it didn't quite work with the bullock, with the police behind him, but it did work with the Batmobile. So, you know, you break even on that. Um, What did you think of the inmates now of Arkham? Did you buy those really well? I really liked uh, the... Doug Jones as the Riddler was really good. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Condiment King, if you didn't know it was him, you'd assume it was just some guy eating random things in his cell. Yeah, I didn't catch that uh, who it was, was until he said the name. Yeah, Harley and Ivy I really liked. Uh, I could have done without Har- or Ivy um, running around in her underwear. But, mm-hmm. you know, you barely get a, a shot of that. You know, So it, that's fine. It's not like it's a main focus. Yeah, I got tired of the sexy women bit. Uh, th- there is kind of a reason for that, though. The lady that plays uh, Har- Ivy, I keep wanting to say Harley, the lady that plays Ivy is a uh, cam model online, so it may have may have been a cross-promotion thing, you know? Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me, bother it didn't me. Detract yeah, from I mean, everything. you know, it was just, man, they were both in the cut-up t-shirts. I'm like, one or the other needed to be in something a little bit yeah. more. Uh, the the Killer Croc mask was really well done. I had a little bit of trouble with it because it didn't move at all with the with the growling. Oh, now I mean uh-huh. that's really like you know that's got to be humongous bucks. But because uh, when you see the clawed hand at first, I was like, oh my gosh, and then it blinks no less, mm-hmm. and the steam comes out when it snorts. It was so close to being perfect, but not quite there. Yeah. But I like. But yeah, his his mouth does not move. But so. major kudos for putting it in there and really giving it a try. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the other detail work, the way it looks, it it looks like it's actually wet and scaly. Mm-hmm. Definitely, and I love that Freeze is in his. You know, they've they've done that all correctly, and there's that little feel. Mm-hmm. And then he's got the ice sculpture of Nora that yes. he's holding. What a great detail! Uh, what did you think of Joker's makeup? Oh, they really sold that well. It looked modeled, so he looked sick. Yes, yes. Yeah, he looked excellent. The dark around his eyes. I th- I think he's played the Joker in one of their other ones, the fight ones, because it was Joker and Harley Quinn versus Deadpool and Domino, which was, oh. that was crazy stuff. And um, I can't figure out if it was the same guy or not. I, I guess I should have gone back and looked a second time. But So the dark around the eyes thing works, as far as I'm concerned, um, in general. I think that works to make him look sort of evilly, you know? It makes it... Mm-hmm. The red on the lips without extending too far from the corners of the mouth worked for me because it let him have other expressions, but it, yet you know it's the Joker. Because, yeah, he does a lot of emotive things. Let, let's talk about that a minute, if you don't mind, because that's the biggest part of this movie, is this whole oh, yes. psychological drama. What did you think when you were watching it? I love the back and forth. It, it really made me think of, um, oh, gosh. <clears throat> well, a little bit of um, Dark Knight Returns, kind of what popped in my head at first with them just kind of going back and forth. But, no, I mean, it really becomes its own thing. And it's so so good, and it and they didn't they didn't rely on the whole you need us Batman. He totally, you know, he as a friend of mine says he James Kirked it. He turned it around, made it no Joker. You need me because without me, you don't get any satisfaction. You don't get any attention. Mm-hmm. And by the way, since all these other people are coming around, you've been getting less. 
What did you think of the um, Joker and that performance? Definitely very well done. Uh, I, I still say my, you know, my golden Joker for uh, fan films is <laughs> the one from Batman Dead End. But, uh, you know, that that's only for like a minute and a half. <laughs> He's on screen. This is a Joker that's on screen for 15 minutes and is absolutely wonderful. He's, his voice sells it. His look sells it. Mm-hmm. All his actions. I mean, he's he's not a scampering Joker, but he's not a moody, broody Joker either. Well, I particularly liked when he was doing the when he got angry, and he says, "I'm." When mm-hmm. you were saying like Batman's telling him, "Yeah, you're you you don't have a point without me," because you know Ivy has her environment stuff, and Freeze has Nora, and you know Riddler has his puzzles, and what do you have? You know, you don't have anything except me. And he got angry, and he says, I am the king of this asylum. And man, the gritting of the teeth and the way he sold that. And the vein would stick out in his forehead. <laughs> just like, <laughs> oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. And um, I definitely think there was one problem, I think, Clinton. This really isn't accessible to non-fans. What do you think? Yeah, this is definitely for the, the more... Uh, Batman Joker heavy fans. Yeah, you need to know that he killed a Robin. I don't necessarily, they didn't say which Robin or anything like that, but he killed mm-hmm. a Robin and the shooting of Barbara Gordon, which plays a, a pretty big role in here. Oh my God. Can we talk about the Barbara Gordon moment, please? Oh yes. Go for it. Because when, you know, when we're showing him, like he's doing all the flashbacks and they, they go through the pictures that are straight out of the killing joke and God, I mean, like pose for pose, those were page to screen. Mm-hmm. But I, I was uh, not prepared for the picture to scream at me when the eyes open. Yes, that, that was freaky. <laughs> <sighs> I feel like, in a way, is she looking and accusing Batman as much as Joker? Um, as far as this film would su- suggest, mm-hmm. I would say yes. Okay, that's what I read it as. That was a, a big trigger. Or at trigger. least that's how Bruce takes Did you notice the pictures were in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in the book? No. No. <laughs> I, I did see the, you know, the, the set of books that he's been reading. And a lot of them were you know, dealing with mental illness and such. But no, I didn't notice. Yeah, the, the diary for Anne Frank was in there somewhere, too. Mm-hmm. But when I saw that it was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest that he had these photographs in. And I also was going, why in the world did he have access to these photographs? Mm-hmm. hidden in a book or not that just seemed a little a little much but they needed it to make the scene work yeah so i figure well he's a joker he's got his ways or something but yeah that that effect with the the eyes opening that jump scream scare thing there mm-hmm. the way that touched off batman um when he does the whole chain him up thing which was i mean wow was that all that i mean even the joker's feet are modeled because they show his feet sort of just barely touching the floor while he's sort of hanging there and then the actor's, like, pulling himself up enough that he can try to talk with the rough voice from these chains. I'm like, okay, that must have been fun and games to try to film. How do you do that without killing somebody? Because <laughs> you see him full length for quite some time. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that was that was an interesting flip. Uh, okay, did you notice a few um, little uh, Easter eggs in the film? Besides those, what do you got? Okay, when... When Batman comes into Arkham, they announce that they have a code B-27. Yeah, what is that? Batman first appears in Detective Comics number 27. Ah. So it is a you know, Batman in Detective Comics number 27 reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joker's prisoner, prisoner, uh, his prisoner, I can't say it, the number on his uniform mm-hmm. is 0040. The Joker first appears in the year 1940. No, I didn't know. I didn't pick up on those at all. And, you know, those were just the ones that I spotted. There's a couple of others that I had to figure out from reading comments on the YouTube page. Mm-hmm. Uh, the names of the missing officers are all anagrams of the hosts from the show Impractical Jokers. You're kidding. I, have, I am not. Apparently, there are several people that are like, oh, my God, I spotted this, blah, blah, blah. I spotted this. It's like... Wow. That's really kind of yeah, deep that, there. <laughs> that's a deep cut. Yeah. So, but I've got one more to top it all off. Okay. There is a voice in the uh, film 
uh, one of the officers that radios for Bullock. That voice belongs to a woman named Athena Finger. Really? And, and if that name does not ring a bell with anyone, she is the granddaughter of Batman co-creator Bill Finger. Isn't that a sketch? Oh my goodness, I had no idea. I honestly thought it was the voice that was Montoya in the last movie, was the same actress. So that is really wild. Yeah, like I had to, somebody mentioned that and I was like, wait, wait, what? I went and read the, <laughs> read the credits one more time and I'm like, holy cow, it really is. Wow. Yeah, they do a lot of detail in here. It, it really doesn't surprise me. There's probably even more than what we've already seen because... Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. They really pay attention to detail. Yeah, I guarantee. There, there's probably like something about the rat that goes back to a random issue or something. Can I go back to some of the, um, the Joker-Batman interaction again? Yeah. I'm curious what you think about what Joker's sort of throwing out there about Batman being miserable with his life and the Joker wakes up happy every day. Is that, that's something I think we're debating today with the whole Bat-Cat bit. Can Batman be anything other than unhappy with his life? Uh, I am, wow. I like to believe in a, in a Batman that is happy being Batman because he knows that he's making the world safer for other little kids that might lose their parents if he's not around. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that that's just my wishful thinking. That's, you know, like I always like the, the superheroes that like being superheroes. Mm -hmm. Like like Clark likes being Superman. Bruce likes being Batman. Matt Murdock is happiest when he's being Daredevil, not when he's arguing. But, you know, that that's my thought on it. Well, I think he's definitely seen as the protector to the little girl. I mean, she runs up to him and Oh, and yes. says, you know, don't leave me here. And he sort of hesitates a mm -hmm. little, and then he puts his arm around her a little. I, I, That was, what a thing that was. But, you know, he's being seen that way. Bullock doesn't see him that way. He's very unhappy with him. What did you think about the ending, uh, the last, when he disappears on Bullock? Oh, I knew that was coming, but <laughs> it was still so good. The, the way that Madsen reacts to it is just like... Like, really? Right in the middle of me talking to you? Yeah. Well, he's just about saying that, you know, I can see what Gordon sees in you, and under that, you're not such a bad, you know, and he's going to say, bad guy, and he turns around, and he, you asshole, you know? <laughs> just like, oh my god. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you might have to bleep that out, I don't know. But I thought, well, there was something to end on. It's like, man, you were right all along. You don't want to deal with these crazy people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what about the Catwoman? You know, there were a couple times I think they let the scene run too long, the, the shot. When Joker's laughing himself silly mm -hmm. at the end, it went a little long. Her scene and it was a little long of her just sort of posing there. You're right. That, yeah, we, we could have seen the jewelry and then quickly cut to Batman showing up. Or she could have but been no, like, playing with it like more, some sort of motion, you know. of her sitting there. Sitting there yeah. and maybe she's hand-to-hand -hand or playing cat's cradle with it. I don't know. It's a big, long thing of pearls. You could do a lot of movement with that if mm -hmm. she wasn't trying to pose. Yeah. Now, I do like that she pulled off her cowl and everything before she you know, gave Batman the smooch. But... Well, she didn't actually physically kiss him, but well, it's true. implied that, you know, she's interested, mm -hmm. that's for sure. What do you think about the yeah. title? Do you think that works? Um. Yeah. Yeah, I really do like the title. It, I didn't like the title until after I watched the film. Because I, I didn't know what to expect with just something called Batman dying. Because I thought, okay, well, does that mean like there's a lot of people dying? Does that mean Batman's become a killer? Is Batman dying? What, what's going on? But yeah, once you, once you see the film, I really do like the title. Yeah, it, it's a little I, bit I it, of ironic not. there. Mm-hmm. Because in the end, you know, Batman's like, dying isn't easy. I'm trying to think what else I've got. I, I have all these little chicken scratch notes, so it, it's hard. Oh, the, the credit song. I mm -hmm. almost forgot about the credit song. That was so... I, I didn't see that one coming. That was just so neat. Mm -hmm. They, they had an after credit song, song in the... Credits and... Yeah, they had one last time with the same uh, singer. Mm -hmm. But this one, it so suited it. Yes. And what did again, you think it's, about it's the music being? What do you think of the music in the film being reused? That I didn't mind. I thought that was pretty good. You know, 
goodness knows we've reused the Danny Elfman Batman stuff for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had no problem with it. I mean, you that, know, because it's gonna, so... Yeah, if you're going to have a Batman theme, stick with it. Mm-hmm. You know, at least in your own production company. So, you know, nothing wrong with that. Let's see. The Joker... Ref- oh, yes, the, the references to when he killed Robin. And and he said, what do you think he did? And he, he called your name. That was just sent a chill right through me. I, I hadn't really thought about it. What did you think? Uh, it's been a long time since I read The Killing Joke. Not The Killing Joke. Uh, well, it's been a long time since I read that, too. But A, a Death in the Family. But, yeah, to the best of my memory, that's pretty accurate. Because the Joker later makes the argument that Batman's responsible for a lot of deaths as it is. Because everybody mm-hmm. in there has been killing people. Um, and one of the sins, things he also accuses him of is, you know, the, the, it was like the boy would have a, his, had a family in his own flock by now. <laughs> 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 but, you know, wow, the invective that he was throwing out there was absolutely incredible. I didn't think it was too stilted either. Somebody, um, somebody somewhere, I don't know where I picked it up that, that they thought it was a little bit overwritten. I didn't think so. Ah. I mean, I you can kind of read that into anything, but if you're adapting comic books, they're already over the top. So, I mean, you're going to have you know over the top dialogue to go with an over the top source. Mm-hmm. I was trying to see if there's any just the bit about the hope at the end that that was the tragedy of Pandora's box was that she kept hope in the box. Yeah, and I mean it. It sounds like a real downer, but at the same time. It makes sense, psychologically speaking, because you have have to go through the stages of grief. And so long as you are holding out hope that, you know, things are going to turn out for the best, you're not accepting reality sometimes. Yeah, we get that. And um, the push-pull of having his parents, you know, how that applies to, to himself. Mm-hmm. That was interesting, because at the very end, you know, he says he's never found their killer. And... That created the monster that he calls Batman. That's how he deals. Yeah. And I've never really liked that. I like, you know, the Batman that knows that it was Joe Chill and has already confronted him and still keeps being Batman because he wants to make things better as Batman. But again, you know, that's my reading on it. Mm-hmm. The only other problem I had really big with this movie was Hugo Strange. The whole bad mustache cover. <laughs> Oh, that that was also another case of where the green screen really showed because those were definitely not real books. Yeah, and but the mustache trying to cover that part, I'm like, either stay with the full beard or shave it. This in-between uh-huh. putting a piece of tape over it or whatever did not work. That took me right out. Here's this intense, you know, we're coming through Arkham and then they had this goofy thing. <laughs> that That was that- a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. And they may have done that more as like an in-joke about the uh, the Henry Cavill mustache cover-up in Justice League. Definitely could have been, yes. It's just, if I was thinking to myself, I was hoping they would take a lesson from that and, and not try to do the hide-the-mustache bit. Mm-hmm. Because Hugo does miss that um, mustache, doesn't he? Isn't, he, isn't uh, that his normal thing? He doesn't have the mustache part of a beard? Right. Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, he's usually just got, like, the, the whole chin line thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Trying to see if I had... I think we've covered this thing front to back at this point. It was just so good. Um, the action sequence was absolutely beautiful. Bullock was great. The whole Joker-Batman thing. I mean, Joker's little... I've already talked about his movements, his voice, his face. Mm-hmm. The, the things that he's saying and how much they hit home in... I feel like it's things they've explored in the comic books as well as things that we as fans talk to each other about. Um, that worked. And then uh, the come down at the end, you know, the why he went, did this the way he did it. And then the final scene up on the roof with the, you know, Batman bit. Mm-hmm. Loved this thing. Loved this thing. Um, but it is a different animal than, than City of Scars. Oh, yeah. But, man, I could, I could watch a whole two-hour movie of Michael Madsen just doing Detective Bullock stuff. <laughs> he really was good. That, God, that, I mean, no no offense to the guy that played him on Gotham, because that was a pretty good Bullock, too. But, man, I could watch this dude 
all day and all night doing Bullock stuff. I wonder how much those actors um, and actress, be, you know, ate away at the budget. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know. I'm sure they had to pay some kind of appearance fee. Most of them, since they were just quick cameos or you know one or two lines and done, probably wasn't too terribly much, but. I mean, they—they they only had seventy-six grand to work I with. I can't that's, believe that. I mean, that—that's a lot of money in my head. But when you start thinking about making a movie, that's not even a lot of money. No, you've got to have the the masks have to be molded and made in the and all these costumes, the makeup artists, the mm-hmm. the music now, um, because that's sort of in house to a degree. Um, because it's his, his father's contributing to this movie, as I think he's also attributed as a co-director. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose, but the sound effects, then you figure you've got to build these sets. You're going to have the, the car. I don't know if that they actually have a physical car or not, but it certainly looked like it. Um, so, I mean, just right there, that's a lot. Um, the, the Arkham, all the different pieces of putting that together, because everybody was very distinctive. The, the work that went into making them look that way. Uh, the makeup people uh, costuming did an absolutely wonderful job because that was a lot of different things to try to make everybody distinct like that. It totally worked. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, theoretically, they're all in those the same prison garb, but they're not. They they all had their own unique little little spin on it. Mm-hmm. They all had individual numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It really did set things off. Like I was saying, you know, Victor Freeze looked that way. Riddler looked... Had that weird sort of greenish overtone, yellowy green. Uh-huh. You know, it's just, man, the detail they put into this thing. And definitely the opening sequence, trying to block that out and perform that kind of an action sequence. Uh, editing that all together must have been fun and games. So, yeah, listeners, basically, if you didn't watch it before we started discussing it, go back and watch it now. If you did watch it again once, go back and watch it again, because... You know, obviously there's stuff you miss first, second, <laughs> tenth time if you're Laurel. Yeah, I just, I, I enjoyed it so much. I enjoy watching how it was put together as much as I enjoyed what they were saying. So, um, Clinton, I, um, I, I do have something I got to break to you. I, okay. I did sneak a, a, out of the, uh, the kitchen upstairs when I snuck in the building. So I'm going to go ahead and. And head back out. Uh, maybe I can run into Jason and Jared and, and give them the what for if they're not still traveling. The traveling road show that is the All Bricks. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know exactly how I'm going to get you out of here. It's kind of a, a small opening. Ooh, what do you think? You think you can sneak out of here by yourself if I uh, make sure there's there's no one up there for you? Well, I mean, I can try. Okay, good. All right, I'm going now, Clinton. Bye. Oh, goody, goody, goody. Get out. Laurel, you took the key and used it on the... You did try to say I was the girlfriend of the Joker. <sighs> Let this be a lesson to you listeners. Laurel is a... That's what you get when you shuffle people around to HR and number crunching and all this other stuff. So, anyway, while Laurel decides whether or not she's going to end up becoming, you know, like the fan club vice president or something, I will take another quick break and do some listener feedback. To confront the ultimate killers, I must construct the ultimate alias. Hey, who is that lady? I think she could fly. To combat the murderers who destroy my family, crush my own life on their way to consuming everything, I must become a greater, more fearsome destroyer. Ah! Ah, no, no! Hey, man, killed this lady. To track down the animals who prey on the innocent, I must stalk them first. I am no longer their quarry. I am the Huntress. You can listen to The Huntress Podcast online at thehuntresspodcast.com, at Apple Podcasts. Go to Twitter at Huntress Podcast. And again, this shares a feed with the Batgirl Cassandra Kane Podcast. Cheers. Hey, thanks for sticking with me, everybody. That's right. This is the feedback portion, the part that everybody loves. 
Mostly because it's probably at the end of the show. No, I know you love it because you love hearing everybody that was involved in supporting the show. Because you love them as much as I do. Right, folks? Right. Well, before we get into that, one little thing. I was in such an excited frenzy to escape that I forgot to even have Laurel say where she can be found on the internet. You can find her over on the Ride On Network when she does uh, some shows with Ashford and all those people talking about all kinds of different bat books. You know, fun stuff. And I want to give a quick shout out to all the Crusaders Club members. All those people who give at least a dollar a month over on the Patreon. All those people who are not Jason Albrick. You know, go figure. But all those wonderful people that help keep the lights on. You know, my I even have a single light bulb down here, believe it or not, now, thanks to these guys. Thank you. I'm not stumbling around in complete darkness. So, last episode, which focused on Spider-Man Eclipse with the guest Tim Price. You know, Spider-Tim, that guy. That guy likes, shares, retweets all the fun stuff from Tim Price himself, Green Lantern HG, Ken Solo, Chris Lydon, Delvin Williams, Chris Stados, Sean Ross, The Hammer Strikes, Rad Adventures Network, Hal Jordan, Gene Hendricks, and Into the Weird. We also got some actual direct feedback. Auburn Elvis says, An eclipse? I figured Spidey would drive a Jeep. Well, um, yeah, he's not wrong, folks. You know, Spider Buggy's pretty close to a Jeep. Green Lantern HG says, You know, I'm usually on top of this, but the last couple of weeks have been testing me bad. Leave it to you and legendary podcrasher Tim Price to brighten up my week. Great episode, guys, and thanks for the smiles. Well, thank you, HG. You're definitely putting smiles on our faces by listening and commenting. Laurel wrote in and said, uh, Here's some feedback you can use on air, as if I wouldn't use it anywhere else. I just caught up on your last two episodes yesterday. Excellent films, especially the Sherlock Holmes, and great conversations, too. I'm really enjoying your show, and will try to get some more detailed feedback to you if I can. In the meantime, keep up the great work. Take care, Laurel. Well, I'm sure that was written long before she came down here and, you know, proceeded to further trap me in the basement. Or maybe that was all part of her devious plan. I'm not sure. Either way, Laurel did make sure to, you know, give us plenty of feedback on this episode when she came down to guest. So... Thank you all very much. All the love and support is greatly appreciated, and this show would not be here without you. So, I guess I'm still down here in that basement. I'm pretty sure it's all part of the Albrecht Brothers' dastardly scheme to rule the world or something. I'm not sure. Maybe I just ate somebody's banana when they left it in the fridge. Anyway, I'm Clinton Robison, your host, forever trapped in the basement. And I'm hoping you will join me again for another Fan Film Friday. Today you can take your telephone, your, your, your cell phone, and you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent.